The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson, and I'm the captain now. <laughs> Sunday night Super Fringe recap. We've been sitting here, as the chat on YouTube knows, youtube.com slash at NFL on CBS. We've been waiting for Ryan Wilson to join us. Um, we're told that he is currently outside of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, in Atlanta, boycotting and protesting the firing of Arthur Smith. Joining me to talk about week 18 and who knows what the hell else. John A. Breach. What's up, Breach? I would never miss a podcast. I don't protest anything. I just show up and do my job, Brenton. I am here. Let's talk about week. I can't believe the regular season's over. Can I tell you how much I can't believe that? I'm in shock. Uh, you, you sure can. Um, as he said, clicking over to his rundown. <laughs> I know you used to hosting on Sunday nights. The uh, Sunday night football game. Do you want to talk about Arthur Smith first? Or you do want to talk about the Sunday night uh, Sunday night game? Or just let Ryan Wilson take over now that he finally showed up 45 minutes later. Hey, Ryan. Oh, sorry. Didn't realize you were there. Um, the Buffalo Bills. Well, let's talk about the Arthur Smith thing. He got fired. Like, that coach got fired on the midnight. Like that's a, that's a crazy thing to me. So the sequence of events that led to Arthur Smith being fired are him only winning seven games three years in a row. Um, the Falcons, who will now pick eighth overall, make sure to subscribe to with the first pick podcast to get uh, all your draft details. The Ryan Wilson, Ryan Wilson, and Rick Spielman, fantastic CBS Sports podcast uh, as about the NFL draft. They're gonna pick eighth overall for the third straight year. They drafted Kyle Pitts, uh, fourth overall, I believe, right after Jamar Chase, right? Or maybe Jamar Chase was there. Then the last two years, they take Drake London and B. John Robinson. The offense stinks. They go on with Desmond Ritter. 
There's a bunch of back and forth with Arthur Smith throughout the season about whether the quarterback situation. And then everything culminates with the Falcons getting blown out by the Saints. It, 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 you know, you lose it. Don't even have a chance to win the division to make the wild to be a wild card in this division, this terrible division. And to make matters worse, at the end of this game, Dennis Allen after a tire after a whatever the damn button is. Pull up your pants. I play the right one. The- I don't know. Um, after a Tyron Mathieu interception down to the one yard line, Dennis Allen calls for a knee. Jameis Winston overrules the coach. They decide to hand the ball to Jamal Williams to get him his only touchdown of the season. Arthur Smith freaks out publicly. It's a huge deal. And so at midnight on the dot on Black Monday, gets fired by the Atlanta Falcons. On a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised were you, Breach, of the Tory Wilson? I guess we'll go to you because we haven't said what's up to you. How surprised were you of the actual timing of the firing? Uh, I mean, zero. I think, why wait till tomorrow? You know? I mean... Ron Rivera said he's going to talk to the owner tomorrow and we probably know what's going to happen. And I was thinking when he said that I wonder if he just wa- tomorrow today, I wonder if he just wants to walk in there right now and say, all right, what are we doing? So I can have a good night's sleep either way. So I'm not surprised. I mean, as a matter of time, they wholly underachieved. You talk about the draft picks they had that did not come close to working out. Desmond Ritter has not worked out. I don't know if a new coaching staff will, will be able to fix Desmond Ritter, but they have a ton of issues and, why wait? I, that that would be my first question. I am a one. I, I do think it's surprising it was at midnight. I feel like this is something you could have done a couple hours after the game, maybe at 8 p.m. or just hold it off until Monday. I, I, we kind of saw this with Brandon Staley where everyone thought he was going to be fired. And then you went to bed and you're like, man, he didn't get fired yet. Is he actually going to get fired? And the next morning they make him go into the office at 8 a.m. Pacific time to get fired. Like, if you're <laughs> fire me, at least let me sleep in. So at least Arthur Smith knows this beforehand and look this the writing has been on the wall here ever since arthur blank did that interview a few weeks ago where hey do you want to give arthur smith a vote of confidence here and he basically was like yeah we're gonna see how the season plays out there's no vote of confidence if it doesn't end the way i want it to end uh he is probably not going to stick around and losing for their last five games is definitely not how uh arthur blank wanted to see this end i mean Yes, this team finished 7-10, and 10, but it is crazy to think about that they were 6-6. Six and six. I mean, they were in the <laughs> thick of it in the AFC South. They could have won it had yeah. things gone their AFC way South, yeah. in, in Week 18. Uh, obviously, they didn't because they got blown out. And I think it was pretty clear when he walked off the field, Brenton, you mentioned the situation that led this, but when he walked off the field, dropped an F-bomb and yelled at, everyone in front of him it was pretty clear that that was going to be the last thing he ever did because you're on the hot seat that's just a man who exploding the the final shawl the camel's back you're done by that was it i I also think too that that whole thing it was really i mean look like Jameis screwed dennis allen over and dennis allen ends up looking like the idiot in all this because he's, he's getting overruled by his backup quarterback and the entire team on the field like with no time left but behaving that way at the end of the game, I think exacerbated the timeline and made Arthur Blank decide because Arthur Blank that you, I mean, he friend of the podcast, Arthur Blank, he's been on the pick six podcast uh, at the last, the, the, uh, the Miami Super Bowl, but you know, he, um, he, that's not the sort of thing that I can see him uh, appreciating. I don't think anybody would appreciate that. Like he was fiery and all that, but you, you're, you're, 
being a jerk at midfield after an embarrassing 48 to 17 loss, you know, your, your four, your five losses, you, you beat the Colts in week 16, but to close the season, you lose to the Bucks, Panthers, Bears, and Saints. I mean, you get reverse swept on your way out the door uh, by in the division. Now, granted, just one of the games at home, but like you're, you know, to lose three division games in your final five games and then have that ugly thing, it's just, a, it's just the whole thing is just a bad look. And uh, not surprised at all that he's fired. I do think the timing was just interesting to fire him at midnight on the nose and just get it done with. But sure. I mean, it, it was it was coming. Um, I, one thing to note on the Arthur Smith firing, and I tweeted this out. I just thought it was kind of interesting, but the um, Falcons in their press release said the search for a new head coach of the Falcons will get immediately. It will be led by blank, Arthur Blank, obviously, and Rich McKay, who, anyways, be making it, like maybe ask Rich McKay why, if he's accountable for the Falcons not being good at all? Anybody? Nope. Okay. Uh, with input from Falcons general manager Terry Fontenot and several other appropriate members of Blank's Atlanta Falcons and AMB Sports and Entertainment organizations, the fact that Terry Fontenot, the GM, only gets to provide input on the hiring of the coach, I think is at least interesting. That, to me, says that he is on a little bit maybe thin ice and potentially if like Jim Harbaugh was interested in coming to Atlanta, uh, they could, or, or Bill Belichick was interested in coming to Atlanta. Terry Fontenot is not an obstacle to hiring a big name head coach who wants personnel power. Yeah. I mean, look, the Falcons swing and miss with Arthur Smith. They thought they were getting a great offensive guy. And the interesting thing is, if you look at the beginning, uh, the last few coaching hires, go back to Mike Smith, his first three years, he, him and Matt Ryan went to the playoffs together in 2008. First year head coach, rookie quarterback, which is what we're seeing this year with D'Amico Ryan's and our, uh, and uh, CJ Stroud. So, and that's a rare thing to do that to have a, a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback make it to the playoffs together. And then they hired Dan Quinn. The early years of that, that was a home run. He made the Super Bowl in his first three seasons with the team. And so this just felt like something where I think Arthur Blank was like, all right. We got to cut ship. I'm. This is what I'm used to. And uh, smart business guys, they can cut bait. They they realize that. Hey, look, maybe Arthur Smith can work so, out somewhere else. But this is not the team where this is going to work. So, I'll be interested to see what they do going forward. Wilson, who do you think they're going to hire? Um, my first thought was, please don't let the Steelers hire Arthur Smith to be the offensive coordinator. So I haven't gotten that far down the road. But I do give oh, Arthur great. Blank credit to basically what you're saying. I mean. Cut bait. If it's not working, yeah. move on. And I think that's the right decision. And I don't know. I think I think Arthur Smith has a legitimate complaint about yelling at Dennis Allen in the middle of the field. But I don't know if that's why he got fired. And um, that was just a culmination of what felt like a season-long worth of frustration, given how poorly that offense had played. And Desmond Ritter should probably write him an apology, you know, for the way he played that final game. But that's a conversation for another time. Sunday Night Football featured the Buffalo Bills storming back to beat the Miami Dolphins and to win the AFC East. Uh, we don't have a Steve Kornacki. Is it Karnacki? Kornacki? Graphic here to show us what the percentages were for my Buffalo Bills winning the division, but I think they were down to like 4%. Dolphins cratered. Uh, Harry is very emo tonight. Um, and I understand, understandably emo, like, I mean, that's Dolphins are like 90 plus percent to win the division. 
Wilson, what did you think of this outcome from a Steelers fan perspective, knowing that you now go to Buffalo uh, instead of heading to Miami? I'll just think of it as a just a general person watching the game perspective first, because you know, we got time to talk about the the playoff implications down the road. You but like you seem like you're in a really happy mood tonight. But I'll, I'll start with this: Josh Allen is a is a concern, and he had the two red zone turnovers. One where Christian Wilkins made a fantastic play. The another yellow ball in the end zone had a yellow fourth down arm punt in the end zone, and he was bailed out. Breach it felt like by special teamer. Deontay Hasty with the 95-yard punt return that sort of got things jump-started. He can run the ball. I mean, he he does that really well down the stretch. He made some tough runs. I give him credit for that. The other thing is this. I don't know if this Dolphins offense works against good teams because we have yet to see it work against good teams. Now, look, everyone and their brother that ever played edge rush for the Dolphins was injured tonight are coming into this game. Chubb's out. Jalen Phillips is out. They lost Van Ginkle. Cameron Good got injured on the punt return by Hasey that I just talked about. So they have a lot of things to fix very quickly, and they're going to Kansas City where it's going to be 11 degrees. In terms of the Steelers' implications, it didn't matter. I mean, this is house money. You're you're talking about the Mason Rudolph-led Steelers team that's going to play some James Winston YOLO ball when they get to Buffalo and just hopefully let George Pickens take over. Hopefully Josh Allen has three first-half turnovers, and hopefully Chris Boswell – can kick a game winner, 55-yard field goals, time expires, because that's the only chance with no T.J. Watt breach. Yeah, and, and you just mentioned how much they show against good teams. Harry's got the graphic up that I'm sure is painting him up there uh, to put it up there, and that's that, look, they've faced six teams that finished above 500. They went one and five in those games. The one win was against the Cowboys by two points. Three of the five losses were by two touchdowns or more. Uh, so yeah, they do struggle against good teams and yeah, it did take a punt return touchdown for that kind of sparks the bills. Cause at that point, I'm not sure. I, I felt like the dolphins were going to win it until that punt return happened. But even with that, the dolphins struggled in the second half. I think they only had 67 total yards. You can't put up 67 yards and a half and think you're going to win a game. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't come up with any big plays in the second half. And that's an issue. And it's not just the defensive injuries. I mean, Raheem Mozart wasn't out there. Jalen Waddle wasn't out there. So this team is absolutely banged up. And you have Tua, you know, starting the game with an interception, ending the game with an interception, making a few uncharacteristic mistakes. So I, it, it, you're playing a team with a winning record next week. You mentioned the temperature. I think they're 0-10 in games under 40 degrees, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, this is not good for the Dolphins. It's not easy to blow a three-game lead when there's five games that are left left in the season. It's only happened four times in NFL history. Uh, and for the Bills, look, if Josh Allen, you just talked about how badly he played, and they still won. He turned the ball over three times, and they still won. If he doesn't turn the ball over three times, who knows what happens? Maybe they win by two touchdowns. So I think that's the conversation you have with Josh Allen this week. Look, man, look at our whole season. When you don't turn the ball over, we dominate people. When you do turn the ball over, we lose or it's a tight game. So don't turn the ball over. So I, I think it's really that simple with Josh Allen. You don't have to be uh, – you don't have to hit a home run every play. We can take the singles. We can take the bunts. Just get us down the field, score touchdowns, and we'll win. Uh, the the first interception felt like it might, it was a cover, you know, cover zero blitz. They brought the house. The Dolphins did. Allen threw it, and it looked like his initial reaction was that he sort of blamed Gabe Davis. 
I don't know if I mean we'll have to hear about. I mean he's not going to throw him under the bus. Gabe Davis got hurt in, the, in that game as well. But um, the second one was a pure pure, pure T, uh, you know, fadeaway jumper from like forty yards away, and then he almost hit another one um, for a touchdown. Like I think the problem is his. It's I, I think I think what's so interesting about Josh Allen is that he's sort of what we thought Patrick Mahomes might be without good coaching. Like this athletic freak who like just cannot stop, like cannot prevent it. Or it's like, it's like Josh, Josh Allen trying to like not turn the ball over is like me trying to do dry January. Like I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this sounds great. I'm definitely doing this. And then I like, snap the ball. Like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I think I'm going to have a glass of wine tonight. Um, Five days in, you're on a four-night bender. Right, exactly. It's like, well, I mean, we can always start January 14th or something. Um, but it, it is concerning because the Dolphins got after him. Yeah, it's a tough spot to be your three-point favorite, but you're on the road. It just feels like if this is the – I always harken back to Wilson's reaction to – what, what was it like a Rosencopter style Josh Allen moment again? Remember against the Texans oh, yeah. in the playoff, that wild card game? It's like Josh Allen can can win you any game at any given moment, and he can lose you any game at any given moment, too. And I sort of think for the, I almost think for the, like, I don't think the Bills sort of lost, like, it's better for them. You get the Steelers, you, it feels like a sort of a bye week. You're going to likely advance to the next round. Your 10 point favorites at home. I, obviously, Pittsburgh could, could pull off the upset, but it almost feels like the Bills were better off in this underdog mentality. And once they got to the spot where like the Jaguars lose, they already clinched the three point favorites. It sort of changed how he played. I, I feel like I don't know. I yeah, feel he like he went pressing. back to Yolo. Yeah, I feel like he went back to pressing Yolo Josh Allen. And if he does that in the playoffs, I don't see how they end up making it to the Super Bowl. If he goes back to you know taking what defense is given, then this Bills the ceiling for this Bills team is as high as anybody in the NFL. Yeah, but he can't not be yolo josh allen he goes like to your point he'll he'll, he'll be on the wagon for a game and a half and i think a perfect microcosm of josh allen is not even the turnovers breach it's the way the first half ended when he threw the ball short and he knew he could not throw the throw the ball short and the way that sean mcdermott uh had that had the the halftime conversation where you knew sean mcdermott went into the locker room and had to sit in his office with the lights off for 10 minutes to meditate so he wouldn't strangle josh allen those are the type of things that josh allen does that makes you want to pull your hair out if you had it as sean mcdermott or as me yeah, and the one thing about that, do that. <laughs> yeah, it, well, Sean McDermott had no problem throwing Josh Allen under the bus, which tells you how dumb of a play it was, where <laughs> sometimes a coach will take the responsibility, but when it's such a dumb play that you have to, and I don't think Josh Allen would care. If he heard that interview, he'd be like, yeah, that was a dumb play. And when you win, you know, you forget about it or put it in the back of your mind and say, I won't do that again. I lucked out because we won this game. But in the playoffs, you can't make dumb mistakes like that. You have to get the three points at the end of the half and try and get the the – the, the score at the end of the half and the score at the start of the half because they were getting possession first in the third quarter. And so you can't, and that is, it's a microcosm of what Josh Allen does. It's, he thought he could get a touchdown there. He thinks, hey, I'm going to sneak it in. My guy's going to turn around, jump at the end zone. We're going to get the touchdown. Everybody's going to celebrate. And the opposite of that happens. 
Although, you know, there was a helmet to helmet there that probably should have been called. <laughs> yeah, that definitely should have been an untimed but down. But even then, you get an untimed down and you probably kick the field goal because there's zero seconds left. You just get one free play and you, you probably take the points, but who knows? Uh, so, yeah, this was the ultimate Josh Allen. We got the whole Josh Allen roller coaster. The Bills are lucky they won with as badly as he played for a good chunk of the game. But in the second half, he looked like the Josh Allen who could take this team to the Super Bowl. So I just thought it was crazy that we saw uh, the two sides of Josh Allen, the one that could lose them the game in a wild card round or the one that could take them to the Super Bowl. The Detroit Lions went out and beat the Vikings. They lose Sam Laporta, although Dave Campbell did say that this injury might not be as bad as it initially looked. And then he um, said it's not great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's like somewhere a little worse, like, like best case scenario, it's like TJ Watt. Right, they said it's a bone bruise, so it's nothing torn. Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's a big deal for them with the Rams coming to town. Uh, more importantly, Wilson, how do you? Where do you stand on Dan Campbell's decision to? Yeah, because you could have gotten the two seed. Yep. If the Cowboys lose, but the Cowboys were fourteen point favorites in Washington against a bad Commanders team, and. I, I think I'm okay with Dan Campbell playing the guys. I don't want to be results-based. I think this is a very Dan Campbell thing, but I'm curious if you think they should have sat everybody uh, against Minnesota. and you know, over, but It wouldn't have mattered, but opened the door potentially for Minnesota to make, to make it into the playoffs. No, I was fine with them playing guys. And to your point, they could have gotten that number two seed given the way that Dallas started and the way that Philadelphia acted the entirety of that football game where I'm surprised that some people in that staff didn't get fired before Arthur Smith. Um, but I have no issue, and he's not even the first one that probably should be fired. I have no issue with playing the guys, and my bigger issue is, like, just get rid of the turf. Let's start there. Um, not Raymond. Um, did Khalif get hurt? Khalif got hurt, too, I believe. So the, he limped off the field, so they had some guys injured, but, I mean, that's the time of year it is. Andrew Van, Van Ginkle got hurt for the Dolphins. He was playing in a meaningful game. It was Week 18. This was meaningful but less meaningful for – for uh, what the Lions are, but I think this is exactly who Dan Campbell is. Just like last week against the Lions, Dan Campbell said we're going for it no matter what. It could be fourth and five million or on the second on the two point conversion. We're doing it and we're proving a point. And I think the point is that he's proving that he's rolling with his guys and we're going to do it uh, the way we've done it all year. We're not going to turtle up. And I, I have a, some respect for that because we've seen other coaches turtle up and it's blown up in their faces. And Mike McCarthy immediately comes to mind. So we know who. Dan Campbell is, and, and I'm fine with it, Breach. I, I don't know. I just feel like this is when you're in college and you're with a drunk buddy and you start playing who can jump off the highest roof without breaking their legs. Like, eventually, you get to a roof that's so high that someone's going to get hurt or you just back out. You guys didn't play that in college? Sure no, I'm just did. kidding. But, but it, it's one of those things where you have to weigh the pluses and minuses here. And, yeah, if you want to play your starters because you do think you have an outside shot at the two seed, that's one thing. Uh, but we also had what Jared Goff in this game in the fourth quarter. I think that he he was dude, still dude, out there. Auburn State Brown caught a long touchdown in the fourth quarter. They were all still out there. Well, right, and that's my point is that the, the Cowboys went up thirty-five to ten very early in the third. I think after the first possession of the yeah. third quarter, that game's over. At that point, you're not getting the two seed. You already had Sam Laporta get injured. It's pull everyone because it just doesn't. You, they got the play. They're not going to be rusty. They had a good first half. But at that point, there is no reason to have anyone out there. I, just go home, forfeit. Like it doesn't matter. You're getting the three seed. So 
I, I do think that he was a little over aggressive. I have no problem with him playing his starters to start the game, but just scoreboard watch and pull your guys when you need to, especially after you've already suffered a brutal injury. And, and I think too, like, I mean, not to, I'm not, I'm, this is not, I'm picking on the, the Bengals thing, but remember, was it 2009 when the Bengals sat everybody in week, Marvin Lewis sat everybody in week 17 against the Jets. It allowed the Jets to get into the playoffs. The Bengals immediately had to play the Jets who beat the Bengals. This is not a case where once you knew that Dallas was going to be the two seed and you would be the three seed, there was no chance you were going to have to play Minnesota. Like they, they were going to max out at the seven seed. So it, it's not like I, that, that one I'm a little wary of is like, allowing your future opponent to get into the playoffs just because it's so disrespectful that it can oftentimes backfire, but that wasn't on the table. I think, um, I think this is just, I, I do, I do think this instance is a little bit different only because it is Dan Campbell. And this is how Dan Campbell operates. And he's, he, he's like, no. Yeah. And look at the last two weeks. You, you lost a game and you, Got your tight end injured. I mean, who do you feel not... better about as a coach, Dan Campbell or Mike McCarthy? In the final two minutes, I'll just let the no, team coach your football team in the playoffs. Dan Campbell. Yeah, Probably. breaches Mike must have gone out. <laughs> Probably Dan Campbell. Okay, but that's. I don't think it's as great. I don't think it's as uh, that much favored toward oh, Campbell as you're trying to make it sound. Have you seen Mike McCarthy in the games? Yes. All right, let's take a break. He does not go for two from the seven-yard line. This is when we come back. Brian Wilson will praise C.J. Stroud to the ends of the earth. Next, Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Is that ready for me? I thought you were going to bring us back in. All right. Let's talk about these Texans. That's, all, that's, all I was, that's what I was trying to avoid by continuing to host. I, didn't, I have no interest in hosting. All right. Let's do it. So let me let me throw this idea at you, and we'll get to this in a moment to talk more about it. But the Jaguars are the biggest turd burger of an organization in Week 18 that has ever existed. This side of a Kenny Pickett led Steelers team. I'm <laughs> sorry, but where I'm going with this is this: if the Jaguars had just won the freaking game, then the Browns placed faced the Jaguars in Jacksonville, and I feel like that line would be Browns favored by like 12 points. Just how poorly the Jaguars are playing. But this is a pretty tough matchup for for both. Texans and, and Cleveland. We know how the first matchup went. I get that, but this feels like a, a different team on, on both levels. And part of me wonders, I think the Texans might have had a better chance if they were the seventh seed, had the Jaguars won, and then they go mm. to challenge the Bills. Because I could see CJ coming out, slinging it. I could see Sean McDermott getting a little tight, yelling at Josh, and things going a little haywire there. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about 
what C.J. Stroud did in Indianapolis against John Breach's Gardner Minshew's. And both teams played well. I don't have any issue with how the game ended in terms of Shane Sacking catching heat on that swing pass to Tyler Goodson that was slightly thrown behind him. But C.J. Stroud, um, Breach, tell me what you think of this. He is one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I feel like you could make five to, that. Five to seven. How about that? Yeah, 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 I definitely think you could make that He's argument. Definitely a top ten quarterback in the NFL. And I think the story, and then you can follow up with this. The story is this: if you're, for example, a, a Bears fan, you have to get the coordinator right. You can draft any quarterback you want. If you have some numbnut calling plays, it is not going to matter. And again, I'm thinking about Justin Fields in particular, but it's worked out for for C.J. Stroud, who's done a lot of the heavy lifting, not to take anything away from him. Bobby Sloak has been amazing. D'Amico Ryan's has been amazing in terms of that defense getting it where it needs to be, and they're all buying in. And <laughs> I just feel like the buzzsaw that is the Joe Flacco's and the Jim Schwartz's. How tough a test is that going to be? In even if it's in Houston, breach. It's going to be a very. I mean, the Browns are one of the best defenses in the NFL. And they at least got a taste of what the Texans do on offense when they faced him a few weeks ago. But C.J. Stroud did not play in that game. Uh, I think the Browns won that 36-22. to 22. And so I, I think Cleveland's offense is going to feel confident because it's pretty much the same Texans defense out there. And they're going to think, hey, we can score on this team. We can run up the score. And, and you know, the only way they're going to stay in it is if C.J. Stroud can turn this into a shootout. And not many teams have been able to turn games into a shootout when you're playing against the Browns defense. I think the crazy thing is, especially in this game, I picked the Colts. I thought the Colts were going to win. And I'm not going to say anything about Shane Sykin not having Jonathan Taylor out there on fourth down to at least serve as a decoy. I don't even, you don't give him the ball. That's fine. Just have everyone think he's yeah, getting D'Amico, the ball. D'Amico, D'Amico can catch a little heat too for his, his, his decision making down the stretch. And so. But as soon as C.J. Stroud connected on that 75-yard touchdown on the Texans' first play from scrimmage, it was just like, okay, well, this game's over. And now let's start paying it. Let's flip the page to tomorrow uh, and see what happens, see if the Texans end up winning the division. That It's just, that was a smart play. And the Texans have so many smart plays, and C.J. Stroud's making all these great throws. It really is ridiculous what he's been able to do as a rookie quarterback this year. Yeah. I mean, there were spots where... He's under pressure. He's standing in there facing the rush and he's throwing from like a weird arm slot and he is dropping dimes into these spaces where football should not be able to go based on what was happening at the time of the, the release of the ball from his hand. And, you know, like I'm, I'm the whole Bryce Young, CJ Stroud thing. Like, I don't think CJ Stroud is dealing with, you know, whatever tra- uh, Tyree, I mean, excuse me, uh, Patrick Mahomes had when he started, uh, you know, in his second year. He didn't have Tyree Hill and Travis Kelsey. But Nico Collins and Noah Brown and Dalton Schultz, Devin Singletary's played really well. I think that the Bobby Slowick system and the Shanahan style system is elevating these guys, and CJ Stroud is elevating these guys. But I think they're also pretty good. Having said They weren't that, good before he got there, before Bobby Slowick got there, because Texas fans will tell you that when you try to say exactly, because I've said similar things to what you've said. But Well, I'm just saying, like, Nico's a third-year wide receiver. is having a breakout. CJ's definitely elevating. Don't get me wrong. Noah, Noah Brown and Dalton Schultz, free agents. Devin Singletary, same thing. I think they did a really – I think the the underrated thing the Texans did this, this offseason, if you look at the offense and the defense, was the, the free agent signings that they went out and made to buttress – 
the quarterback they knew that they were going to draft and to help D'Amico Ryan's defense. Like they go and get a bunch of veteran guys and I'll put them on the defensive line and it's not sexy, but it reminded me at the time. And I said this on the podcast, like it reminded me a little bit of like Belichick when he first got to new England, where you can't just magically draft and develop an entire defense overnight. You have to sort of hope to find guys that will fit your system and, and let it work out. I think this game could turn into a shootout. Brown, I, I think I have I ranked uh, the wild card games uh, on CBSSports.com. I rank Browns Texans at fourth on my on my list, ahead of behind Rams Lions Dolphins Chiefs Packers Cowboys, but ahead of Eagles Bucks and Bills Steelers. Do you think that's do you think that is the correct ranking, or would you move it up or down? Breach, you're the resident ranker. What do you think? Uh, you have Browns Texans at fourth. Yes, I would probably agree with that. I'm a little has. I think that I think Eagles Bucks has bust potential. Maybe uh, shoot out. That's got to be last. It doesn't even matter. No, Bill Steelers what, is pretty bad, dude. Ah, uh, not, I mean, not compared Bill to this Steelers. Eagles Buccaneers. Game. Have you watched the Eagles play? Oh my god, the Steelers I mean, actually looked exciting on offense for the past three weeks. It's not yeah. like fair. Baker Mayfield's going to be the best quarterback on the on that field, and that's not even being disrespectful to Jalen Hurts. It's being disrespectful to the people that are calling plays for him and putting him in position to fail. But that's another oh conversation. God. But um, I th- I don't know if they're going to score a lot of points in this Texans game, uh, just because of the certainly the Browns defense. We'll see if Will Anderson's healthy. That'll be a, a concern. The other first round pick who's been balling out, no Tank Dell, which is uh, they haven't had him for over a month now. I think he hurt week thirteen, but he was certainly. Uh, helping that offense elevate itself uh, as a rookie. So that's something to keep in mind. But it's one of those things where you buy into what the coach is selling and you got a franchise quarterback. You you can accomplish a lot. By the way, that also holds for the Cleveland Browns right now, which is which is sort of hysterical. You know, you know what I think is pretty crazy about this um this tech and, and we're we've known for uh I guess like what like eight hours that the Browns will be hosting this game. But the Browns have, in this game, Houston's hosting it. I mean, the Houston's hosting the game, excuse me, that the Browns and the Texans will be playing. Um, I, I was trying to, I mean, you actually probably know this breach. I don't even need to look it up, but this is a testament to CJ Stroud. We're not lobbing around, lobbing around the rookie quarterback and a first playoff start stuff because it feels like he might be. I was about to lob it out. I was about to bring it up. Me too. So is the last, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm old now and. My brand is a pile Here's of what you're staring at. Since 2012, rookie quarterback. Russell Wilson, Carson. when he beat RG3, so it was two rookies, right? Since 2012, rookie quarterbacks are 4-11 and 11 in the playoffs, just any time in the playoffs. Brock Purdy has two of those wins. Yep. Russell Wilson, and the other two wins came because a rookie was playing another rookie another in the rookie. playoffs, and a rookie had to win. So... It, it, so you really only have two well, wins against, Russ against RG3 and then what was Russ that against one? RG3 and uh man one of them actually involved the Texans Andrew Gregory Dalton versus TJ Yates TJ Yates Oh bro was, God, do, you, do you remember that that's with JJ Watt our colleague picks Do I remember that game involving the Bengals yes I remember, <laughs> <laughs> I remember. All right onward and upward or in this case onward and downward uh let's talk about the aforementioned Jaguars, the 904. Um, Let's not come to you first. Let me mention this. Back in week eight, the Steelers were beaten at home by the Jaguars and another punchless effort by the Steelers at the time. Since that, 
victory for Jacksonville. They have gone three and six. And Andrew Wingard was seen on the sidelines waving the terrible towel, disrespecting it like TJ Hushmanzada did back in the day, Breach, when he shined his shoes and it blew up in his face. Andrew Wingard had a Hushmanzada curse put on him. They went three and six the rest of the season, including one of the most demoralizing losses I can recall in week 18, discounting the way that Carson Wentz and the Colts lost in week, the last week of the season a few years ago. I had to watch that game <laughs> because I was interested as a Steelers fan. And uh, as I joked, Ryan Tannehill is a wild ride to have to pin your hopes and dreams on. Mike Vrabel deserves a raise. Derek Henry did a fantastic job dragging that team. And so did Ty J Spears. And Brentson, I'll come to you. Where do you start with all the problems that have beset a Jaguars team that many people uh, thought had an MVP candidate in the quarterback and had a chance to, one of you said that they had a chance to have the best record in the AFC, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of my bold predictions. Um, they lost to the Niners. So the Jaguars start the season, beat the Colts by double digits. Lose to the Chiefs and the Texans. Texans game was weird. Turns out not as weird. Texans are good. Win five straight games going into their bye. Get absolutely blitzkrieged by the Niners coming out of the bye. Win two more games. And they're sitting at eight and three. With their losses to, the, again, the Texans at home, weird one, maybe a Chiefs hangover, but the Chiefs, the Niners, and the Texans. They're 8-3, and three, and they have the Bengals, backup quarterback, Browns, backup quarterback, Ravens, tough matchup, Buccaneers, eh, Panthers, and the Titans. And they have to win two of those games to get to 10 wins and essentially guarantee that they make the playoffs. And yes, Trevor Lawrence got hurt. I don't think that excuses everything because C.J. Beathard beat the Panthers. So you just got to find one more win against Jake Browning, Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and Ryan Tannehill. Now, I do think that the fact that Tannehill and Derrick Henry were playing the last game in Tennessee, that Mike Vrabel could have been coaching his last game in Tennessee, not because he'd be fired, but for whatever reasons, we, we don't know. It's up in the air still. Unsettled is what Adam Schefter called it on, on Sunday morning. I think that much is clear. And they were getting revenge from last year when they got booted by the Jaguars in Week 18. So like, I wouldn't shock that the Titans won, but man. To the way they won. The, right, the way they won... Jacksonville's offense feels broken. I'd be interested to see what happens this offseason. Doug Peterson's not getting fired. I mean, you know, he went and won a playoff game. Um, you can definitely complain about the coaching. Uh, I think. Tell me a team a, that's underachieved more offensively than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, maybe the Eagles, but that would be the only. Okay, that's one. I mean, that's, that's about that's it. Deep, I mean, no, Jaguars, dude, Jaguars are up there. I was thinking when, when we were talking about CJ Stroud. I mean, how I was like, how am I possibly going to make this argument that I would prefer Trevor Lawrence to CJ Stroud? Let me tell you how bad it got because our buddy Pete Prisco likes to make fun of me and, and you too when we we're on the podcast on Tuesdays about how much Bryce Young is terrible, yada, yada, yada. And I actually texted him um, today and said, oh my gosh, Trevor's worse than Bryce. And he actually said, yes, he is. <laughs> I broke Pete. He was, and then he sent the tweet out where he, he did make it clear that he was not happy with the way the Jacksonville Jaguars conducted themselves this season. but. For him to not even put up a fight, which is not very Pete-like, tells you where he's at on, on should, that Should the Jaguars fire Pete from the, the team's radio show because he cursed them by putting them in the Super Bowl? They better hurry up because I think on Monday morning, uh, on Monday show, he's going to have some 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 words to say. Well, I think Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence was a huge problem down yeah. the stretch. I mean, you look at what happened. Hey, look, and, and 
Uh, Harry, throw up the graphic just as I say that. How do we feel about Trevor Lawrence? That's a tweet from Chase Daniel. And look, it has not been good. He ended this season <laughs> with 21 turnovers. Ten of those came in the last four games. Jeez. He threw three interceptions in that loss to the Browns. That was a big reason why they lost. He threw two interceptions against the Buccaneers in a game where it felt like on paper they had more talent, but they got smoked. And then the Ravens game, he had that bizarre fumble where the ball just fell out of his hands when they were at least in min minimum in field goal range. Maybe they don't get a touchdown. Maybe they get stopped. He did need to play in that Browns game after the after that injury in the Bengals game. He needed to sit out a week, I think. I don't know if it changes the trajectory of the season, but like he was way too injured to be playing. And I think that certainly affected the offense. This is also an offense that is not like they don't throw vertical. I mean, he had a great vertical pass to Calvin Ridley in this game, but, this but he also had one that he totally missed to Calvin Ridley that could have won the game or tied yeah, it. It feels like this offense is more dink and dunkish than it is verticality. I sort of well, when your quarterback can't hit the target, and he had two to Breach's point, he had two terrible interceptions. Like Breach could have made those throws. He overthrew a stop route on third and short. You said you could throw the ball forty yards, and he had a couple true. of those where he had his guy was running a stop route, and he overthrew it, and it, the ball sailed out of bounds. It just he was erratic today and he struggled with his accuracy, but you know, he didn't practice for much of the week. He was dealing with shoulder injury. So there's a lot of things to that, but if you're going to play, you know, your team expects you to put you in a spot to win. And, and it didn't feel like Trevor did that. I, I think, I think just it's interesting to note. And I, and this is sort of more of like a bigger picture item, but um, again, Kernacki or whatever, the guy for NBC, the election guy they brought in to do all the football stuff, pointed out how last year, so the Jaguars had a 96% chance of making the playoffs um, after 12 weeks of the season. That's really hard to miss. Now, at the same point last year, they had a 3% chance of making the playoffs and ripped off five wins. And I, I just think it is, oh, lovely. Thank you, Harold, or Harry, excuse me. Um, 98, 93, 90, 90, 72, 69, 76, zero. That is the trajectory of their playoff chances each week starting after week 12. It is really hard to get 12 weeks into the season and have a 98% chance to make the playoffs and miss the playoffs with multiple teams below 500 remaining on your schedule. I just think it's also interesting to – this is how football works where – you know, last year's Jaguar season is seen as this massive success. You know, they win the division, but it was really improbable that they won the division. It was really improbable that they won that playoff game. And you'd have to be a sucker to pick them to make the Super Bowl based on like this sort of little bit of house of cards stuff. And so I think if you take last year and this year and step back from them, you could say that maybe they even out a little bit and this team wasn't quite as close to ascending as we thought they were, even with an easy schedule. But I, I'm not, I think I'm curious if they maybe pursue Frank Wright, who was the OC when Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl to be the OC. You're no, going to keep going with Press Taylor? No, I mean, well, I don't know if that's the answer, but I don't think you go backwards. <laughs> I'm I just saying the, the Eagles won the Super Bowl with, Doug, with Frank Reich. Is a there are a I, lot of concerns uh, from people in Philadelphia and in Jacksonville how Frank Reich is, uh, excuse me, Doug Peterson is coordinating up this offense, calling plays. So I think they, yeah. they have to take a long, hard look at, at everyone on that tree and maybe go look at another tree that rhymes with uh, Mon McMay 
or Mile Manahan. Well, I'm I mean, Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson's not going anywhere. He won a playoff game last year. He doesn't year. have to go anywhere, but he he can let someone else call plays because there there have been some rough patches. And you talked about the, exactly no the, doubt about it. the rough patches. So, I mean, look, I don't. Frank Reich seems like a swell dude. I don't know if his future is going to be uh, – maybe he should take some time off at the lake house and just, just – Take some time, like Leslie Frazier, take some time to reflect. And of course, Doug Peterson's not going anywhere, Brent. I mean, he just finished two winning seasons in a row with Jacksonville. Do you know how many coaches have done that with Jacksonville? Tom Tom Coughlin and uh, probably uh, Jack Del Rio. I bet Jack Del Rio may have done it. The last time Jack Del Rio, 2004, 2005. So literally, Peterson just did something the Jags hadn't seen in 17 years, 18 years. All right. So Ron Rivera's favorite day is January 7th because that's his birthday. Jack Dorito's favorite day is. Uh, anyway, no, moving gosh. along. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? All right. Let's talk about uh, Exciting. I don't know. <laughs> a team that didn't have quite the, the playoff odds in their favor like the Jaguars earlier this season breach. The Green Bay Packers are the 10th team all time to make the playoffs after three or six or worse start. And I, I think the cautionary tale is with Jordan Love in particular is that sometimes if you let quarterbacks sit, they can be pretty good. Also, shout out to Matt LaFleur because this is the conversation that we had forever about Bill Belichick, who is going to the greatest coach of all time. But when Tom Brady left, things took a turn south uh, in a direction that defied the, the laws of gravity, it felt like. Matt LaFleur, some rough patches early on. I talked about the, the slow start. But Jordan Love is absolutely dealing. And now this team faces the Cowboys. Luckily, it's in Dallas. But for uh, a quarterback that's first-year starter breach, hasn't had a ton of ton of turnovers down the stretch with a lot of touchdowns, making a lot of good decisions, I would imagine you feel like you have your quarterback, number one. You're going to sign him to a new deal in the offseason, number two. And maybe even like your chances in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you think Jordan Love's like, my God, why did I agree to that little bridge contract that pays me? million next year. So I do think they'll work something out because he obviously got the job done. I think the problem with a first-year starter is that he got off to a slow start and everyone, Packers fans, were just ready to send him to the bench and think, what are we doing? This guy is not our future. And that's what happens when you go, what, two and five, I think is what they started. And Well, the first first two weeks he played really well, and people were like, they got a guy, and then he fell apart, and then he Well, he played well against the Bears, but he fell apart in the second half against the Falcons in a game they lost 25-24, to and had they not fallen apart, this they would have been in dire straits heading into Week 18, needing a win to get in. And the thing is, and Wilson, you just asked if this is going to make them feel confident about beating the Cowboys. I'm not even sure it was the way Jordan Love played that's going to make them feel confident. Confident, it's going to be the way their defense played. I mean, look, Joe Barry's taken so much heat there over the past few weeks. We saw they gave up 30 points to the Panthers, 34 points to the Buccaneers, 24 mm. points mm. to the Giants. They just kind of needed, I think, this a confidence boosting game going into the playoffs. Now you're coming off two weeks in a row where you've given up 10 points or less. This defense is playing much better. Jordan Love looks good. And yeah, you're playing Mike McCarthy's Cowboys. And you guys already both mentioned that there's, you know, Mike McCarthy has a thing for melting down in the playoffs. So against his old team, too. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think we would probably, I think Brent will definitely be on the Packers at least to cover seven here. So it's Ooh, seven. Man, wow, the Packers, the Cowboys, Cowboys are really good at home. I, I think. We've, I, I keep coming back to this conversation we had about Jordan Love. He's just streaky. And that's okay. It's a, it's 
it's somewhere between like Rogers and Favre, not in terms of like his what he what he is and what he's gonna become, but you know, Favre was streaky as hell. Rogers a little less streaky, unlike less likely to throw the picks. Yeah, but you would have these. And by the way, can we throw that graphic of the winning coaches in December and January back up, Harry? Um, at first, I was reading. I was like, "Oh wow, that's a really good percentage between all of these Packers coaches." Because Mike Sherman and Vince Lombardi, Lombardi coached one year for the Washington, but Sherman only coached the Packers. Lafleur has only coached the Packers. And I saw John Madden. I was like, "He didn't coach the Packers." This is pretty wild that the three best winning percentages, minimum fifteen games. Of in of of head coaches all time in December and January, the top three are all like Packers coaches. That is nuts. At any rate, I mean, look, if you're a Packers fan, you have no unless you're you know, I mean, how old do you have to be to be like, well, really stumbled through this brutal stretch of my life where we didn't have a quarterback? I mean, these guys just get a quarterback and just 35. Over and over yeah, <laughs> who who you who who they have at thirty five? Um, thirty five years ago, because you had Favre starting in nineteen ninety two, and so you weren't like a, much... you weren't like a baby being like God. Ah, well, guy. right, that thirty five, no, you would have you would have been math. four. You would have yeah. been four in nineteen ninety two. Yeah, a lot of four year olds watch football. Uh, hey. Anyway, every four year old I know. Yeah, when you're not burning your parents' house down. What? <laughs> or jumping off of buildings. Um, I, by the way, I'll just say this to yeah. your point, Brinson. Our buddy Joe Musso, CBS Sports HQ, huge Bears fan, uh, said this earlier tonight. He, he goes, can I just have some bad quarterbacks on the Packers? And he, throughout his lifetime, he hasn't. So he, to, yeah. to your point, he has had to experience great quarterbacks. Musso, and- Musso, Musso may have jinxed this game, by the way. He did a, I did a Saturday uh, HQ hit, and it was like a lead-in from Musso. And he's like, I know, the Pack. Face a surging rival. It's like, all right, Jeff. So, Musso, settle down, pal. Like the 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 bear, the bear, the bears look fine. I don't know if they're surging rival. I they they, they threw what nine points in this game. What game? What do you have? Yeah. The bears yeah. scored nine points. I'm just saying, like the the bears got overhyped before the season. Bears are getting overhyped mid season. They finished seven and ten. Let's let's everyone pump the brakes on the bears. We're probably gonna be starting a new quarterback in week one next year. Speaking of nine points. Let's go to Carolina, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers blank the Panthers. Second straight week, the Panthers refuse to score any points. <laughs> Amazing. But the Buccaneers won, and by virtue of the fact that they're winning, they won the division. Had they lost, they'd have been out of the playoffs entirely. And I think Baker Mayfield might be one of the toughest human beings on planet Earth. Awesome. <laughs> he gutted out that game. And I think he enjoys, and I said this about C.J. Stroud, he, had, he enjoys, number one, being appreciated. Dave Canales has done a fantastic job as offensive coordinator, putting him in position to have success. I think it was Baker's first 4,000-yard season. We know about the playmakers around him. The running game has gone and fits and spurs. But Rashad White uh, has done some some good things as a second- or third-year player. And I think this team has a really good chance to beat an Eagles team that has less yeah. than zero confidence. Uh, how do you feel about this Bucks team and and Baker Mayfield, Brinson? Uh, I feel good about that. Um, I... I, I I was actually, I think if you're an Eagles fan, you should be petrified. That do you, Have you looked at the lines, Wilson, to know what the spreads are? No, I can give the wins over Wilson line. Yeah, well, yeah, what's your wins over Wilson, Philly at Tampa Bay? I mean, it's something stupid, like probably Philly minus four. Two and a half. 
Yeah, I mean they're going to get their That's doors blown like off. It's like Tampa winning the game. It's two and a half minus one twenty, so it's probably going to get to three. Um, it, it's definitely it definitely feels like this Bucks team is going to fight. I mean, now look, it's football. It's a playoff game. It's it's, it's sixty minutes in on a on a on a Monday night. In this case, anything can happen. But like Philly's quarterback gets hurt, their best wide receiver gets hurt. Their other second best wide receiver is already hurt, and Tampa Bay finds a way to just go down and win nine nothing in Carolina. the The offense has been bad the last two weeks. We sort of started fluffing the the Bucks up offensively. Dave Canales, as you mentioned, getting bandied around and for head coaching jobs, and then the last two weeks just a really, really, really bad performance by the Bucks on offense. Having said that, they took care of business and found a way to win the division. Everyone basically picked them to finish last in the division. We all look like idiots. And after starting four and seven, they made the playoffs just like the Jaguars did. But you look at this list of teams who have done that. 2022 Jacksonville, they won that crazy game against the Chargers last year. Uh, 2020 Washington, 2020 weird year. Um, they they lost the wild card round. 08 Chargers, 96 Jags, and 95 Chargers. Nobody made it. The furthest anybody made it was the 96 Jaguars who made it to the conference championship game. I think this Bucks team can I'll be picking them to beat the Eagles and obviously to cover. I think it's a one and done situation, but credit to Todd Bowles and credit to Baker Mayfield, credit to Dave Canales, everybody involved, Jason Light, the GM, everybody involved with this because no one wanted to back the Bucks this year. They were dealing with a salary cap fallout of uh Tom Brady. And everybody, myself included, sort of thought Todd Bowles was going to be toast after this year. And if anything weird happens in New Orleans, he's the lone man standing left in the NFC South. The one odd thing about the Bucs, if they were playing anyone but the Eagles, I would 100% be picking against them. The fact that they get the matchup with the only team that is just playing the worst football out of anyone in the postseason right now is unbelievable. Because, Brentson, you mentioned how bad their offense has looked in the past two weeks. They only scored 13 points against the Saints. We already mentioned they only scored nine against the Panthers. And these were high-pressure games. These were almost playoff games. The Panthers game was a playoff game because if you lose, you're out. The Saints game, if you win, you clinch the division. So in these high-pressure situations, they average 11 points. So that's not what you want going into the postseason. Uh, so I am a little bit worried about their offense. But, I mean, I'm Panthers, more worried about Panthers the Eagles' had- offense. Panthers out, out gained them in terms of yards per play in this game. Well, Baker Mayfield only threw for 137 yards. They barely rushed for 100 yards. The, the Buccaneers didn't do anything impressive on offense. So I am a little worried about the one stat I did see today that blew my mind is that the Buccaneers have the longest active playoff streak in the a- in the NFC. Did you guys know that? Wait, 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 wait. They've wait, been in the playoffs four, four years, straight year, which is the longest streak in the NFC. The NFL is hard, man. I, I, think it is inter- I think it is interesting that um, we've sort of seen I wonder, and like I don't know this will matter for Philadelphia, but just because of how banged up they are on defense and, and their weaknesses, but we've seen teams shift what they do against the Bucks over the last couple of weeks, and it's like, stack the box, don't let Rashad White, Rashad White's just going to get a bunch of carries, and then just smother Mike Evans. Because Mike Evans was on a heater when this offense was running well. And now it's like Chris Godwin is sort of more of the focal point. Baker's also banged up. I, I, I think it's a great point there by Breach. Like, 
I mean, Bryce Young threw for 94 passing yards in this game, by the way. <laughs> what are we doing? If um if they were playing the Rams, the Cowboys, the Lions, obviously the 49ers, maybe the Packers. I'm missing anybody. I mean, anybody else in the NFC playoffs, I would think I would pick the other team. But the Eagles are just so bad down right now that I want to back the Bucs. All right, well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Eagles and all the trials and tribulations they're going through in their matchup against the Buccaneers right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Breach, you talk about the Bucks limping through the last two games. Put this on for size as far as limping goes. This feels like you're limping and both your legs fall off and you're sort of stuck in the middle of the road with 18-wheelers bearing down on you in both directions. Week 13, you lose to the 49ers. No shame in that. You got your doors blown off. It happens. Uh, then you lose at Dallas. Okay, I get it. Then you lose at Seattle. Like, okay, uh, let's sort of figure this out. That, that defense stinks. You beat the Jets. Thank you, Jesus. And then you lose to the Cardinals. And then <laughs> you lose to Tyrod Taylor and a couple plays from uh, Mr. Cutlets and an absolutely horrid performance that would make the Jacksonville Jaguars go, oh, my God, this team does not play football. And I don't know. what's They lost Shane Sykin and Jonathan Gannon to head coaching jobs, and both those units have gone, done 180s. Now, Brian Johnson has struggled mightily as the offensive coordinator in terms of having answers for defenses that seem to have – answers of their own to the test. Sean Desai got benched essentially for Matt Patricia. That defense has somehow gotten worse. And I think in terms of talking about playing with confidence, heading into the the playoffs, this team has zero. And oh, by the way, their quarterback has nine fingers. So explain to me <laughs> and to Eagles fans why they should feel good. They should not. This team literally <laughs> reminds me of your 11-0 Steelers team. Yes, year, was that, was that, was that 2020? Where it was just every time they won a game, it just you knew the wheels were going to fall off the wagon. And this is where three of the wheels have fallen off the wagon, and the Eagles are still dragging that wagon with one wheel on it. And look, you just mentioned the 49ers and Cowboys blowouts. It was after they gave up 42 and 33 in those games, and that's when they they just said, all right, decide, you're benched, you're done. We're letting Matt Patricia take over. Patricia's very first game, they give up a game-winning touchdown pass with 26 seconds left. It was like, oh, it's Chino Smith. It's okay. They're good. And then to it give was up Drew Locke. Oh, yeah, it was Drew Locke. It was Drew Locke. <laughs> it wasn't even Chino. It was like, so if, that, if that's not a red flag that Drew Locke is out there dicing you up and, and beating you, because if they win that game, they're still in the running to take the NFC East. And that is really when it felt like the collapse was really there. Because I felt like we all thought the 49ers and Cowboys were just better teams. That's why the Eagles lost. And then to see them lose to the Cardinals. And, and it just feels like this team 
is in total collapse. They have no chemistry. It seems like everyone in the locker room hates each other. There's always it, 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 the coaching staff is a problem. The defense is a problem. The offense doesn't get along. So you always see guys yelling at each other on the sideline. It just seems like this team wants the season to end. It's just it's painful to play and nobody's on the same page. And I, I will be shocked if they win in the playoffs. Again, like I think you can go back and look at sort of the, you know, it's easy when a team starts out and is eight and one going into their bye, and you're like, I mean, what do you want us to say? They they were the NFC champions last year. They're eight and one. They lost some coordinators, but they're just finding ways to win. I mean, they should have they could have lost at New England in week one, easily. Uh, could have lost against the Vikings in week two, easily. They could have lost to the Commanders both times. The, the, the one before the bye in week eight went to overtime. They should have lost to the Cowboys in week nine before the bye. And they definitely should have lost to both the Chiefs and the Bills after the bye. So it's like you look at the team and say, all right, here's the overall record. They're 11 and five. It's a good season. No one can complain about it. They did regress from last year. But more importantly, this team has been a problem since October. They like they they they've been Pete Prisco said it best. They've been wobbly, and and they just the defense has collapsed. You turn to Matt Patricia, the 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 only remember like the only thing we've seen worse was it relates to Matt Patricia is when Belichick turned him to like the offensive coordinator. That's the only thing that makes this look like less worse. You're like I know, let's midseason just go to Matt Patricia and see if that fixes things. They lose. Five of six to close out the season. The only win that Christmas Day thing against the Giants. It would be shocking if this team won a playoff game, much less any, like, what, two? I mean, Jalen Hurts is banged up. A.J. Brown is banged up. I think it's surprising they're favored, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's their favorite because they're hoping that people are thinking that this is last year. Because, I mean, if you think about 11 months ago, when, if, if I told you the 49ers are the best team on the planet and the Eagles are reeling. You'd be like, oh, I wonder what happened because Brock Purdy doesn't have an arm and this team is is rolling on all cylinders. They lost their coordinators is probably the answer. It seems not to be yeah. too much more complicated than that. All right. We all seem to be pretty disappointed in the Eagles, but they didn't make the playoffs. In fact, Brenton, which team, and we may have already talked about them, are you most uh, disappointed in missing the playoffs? I mean, it has to be the Jaguars, right? Feels like it. You don't have I mean, a back the Jaguars, the Jaguars finished below the Bengals. Oh boy, that's that's Sad. a slap in the face. Sad. <laughs> the Bengals actually sort of shot themselves in the foot with draft picks breach by winning the, the blowing the doors off the uh, the Browns. There, they're currently picking 18th, which is the the lowest you can pick. The, the Jaguars, the Jaguars is so bad, not just because they are they had a 96 percent chance or 98 percent chance to make the playoffs in Week 12. Like that is an all timer. But the real kick in the pants here is that they're forcing us to watch Mason Rudolph in a, in a playoff game on CBS. You guys like I, I told producer Harry, you don't want that smoke in South Florida. And producer Harry what says does Christian, what does Chris Trapasso want between his bills and his Mason Rudolph? Oh, he's he's in quite the quandary. I didn't think about that. <laughs> it's a real real Trapasso's choice. Trapasso bot is gonna explode. <laughs> so Breach, are you on the Jaguars sad? Wagon as well. Yeah, I don't want to steal Brinson's answer. I would say that is the best answer, but I'll go with the Seahawks. They were yeah. six and three at one point. Seemed like a lock for a wild card. All you got to do is get to ten and seven. You called that. You called this, by the way. 
Well, but yeah, you, because they had the impossible stretch of 49ers, Cowboys, 49ers. And it was, if you win one of those, but then they had the shocking loss to the Rams, that 17-16-1. They had a loss to the Steelers that Wilson remembers on New Year's Eve. Uh, and if they win mm. just one of those two games, then you get in. And so they blew it, and they're out. Breach, you're so, the easiest human to read on planet Earth. Brinson, this is why he hates the Seahawks, because he had drafted the Seahawks in our Super Bowl draft a few mm. weeks ago. Oh, I forgot about our Super Bowl oh, draft. Oh, yeah, what, uh, what's our... What's our... So, uh, I'm I'm also sad in, in the Jaguars. I would put the Falcons in there, but Arthur Smith lost his job, so I don't want to come down on him too hard. Uh, so Arthur Smith already lost his job. They're going to be we'll be back here tomorrow to talk about uh, other coaches who who may end up getting the pink slip as well. So that's um, point ten in our talking points. But I'll I'll recap. No, we we already we talked about it before you got here. Okay, perfect. So I'll recap our Super Bowl draft from a few weeks ago to see where we are. We do this every year at various times in the year. We did this one sort of late, but it's still sort of exciting. I'll say Breach's uh, drama for last here. I had the first pick. <laughs> Breach picked fourth. It was me. And then Brinson had the second pick. Pete Prisco picked third. And then the Yeah, I did have the final pick. I had the last pick. So, so my you, fourth, they made you, you the fourth pick and the fifth pick, buddy. That's right. You got the snake. Easier to so pick first. Here are here are my four, my four teams. 49ers, Miami, Cleveland, and my Colts are out. Brinson's four teams are the Ravens, and Brinson's the only uh, cast member here who has all four teams still uh, alive. Ravens, Lions, Rams, which he'll he'll be out next week with one of those. Yeah, guys. but that means I'm guaranteed somebody in the divisional round. And he's two teams, two teams in the divisional round. True point. Yeah. So those are your four are the teams. Texans too. Yep. Ravens, Lions, Rams, Texans. That's that's uh, Brinson. Pete's Chiefs, Eagles, oh boy, Jacksonville, ugh, Bucks. <laughs> That's the uh, and the Bucks and Eagles play each other, so yeah, he's so Pete's, be, uh, Pete's, Pete's guaranteed one through, but he's down to two teams. And Breach, Wait, his other team, so he has the Chiefs. He's going to have the Chiefs and the Eagles or the Bucks. Yeah, he's going to be he's going to be hurting. Yeah. And Breach pulling up the rear here, although he could get hot. Cowboys, the Bills, and that's it. Like he had Seattle and Cincinnati. Both those teams are now out. Mm. So uh, right now, Brinson looks so, to be the best, but it only takes one breach. It only takes one. So everybody and, has everybody. Well, has no one, one, no NFC. one has the Steelers. No one has the Steelers. That's right. Mm. And but no every, has, everyone has one no NFC team and one AFC team, right? Uh yep. Because Wilson has correct. the Niners and the Dolphins. I've got obviously all four of mine in. So I have two teams on each side. I would put um, my top two against anyone's top two, so I'm fine. <laughs> I mean, your top two both are playing. As Br- as Brees Hall told me, teams. I'm top two, and I'm not two. Yeah, you got the two two seeds. I mean, you got the you got the two two seeds at, at four and five. So I don't know really know what you're complaining about. If you weren't such a homer and dedicated to your bit and didn't have to take Jake Browning, you could have had the Texans. Browning fooled him. He's playing well. By the way, Browning said after the game today that he hates the Steelers as much as anyone, which I thought was a weird thing to say. But okay, Jake, you do you. Who's All right, Breach's third round pick. Uh, he took the Seattle Genos. <laughs> Immediately after saying how bad their schedule was. All right. Breach, no, we did the you... draft after the, they. I don't want to talk about it. All right, Breach, why you wallow in your sorrows? Give me your Breach VP. I don't know my Breach VP. I'm wallowing in my sorrows. Oh, All right, Brinson, do you have yours or do you want me to go? Um, yeah, uh, you can go if you're ready. This is easy. Actually, actually, you know, I'll give my 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 Brinson VP. All right, I got go one. I'm going to give it to Antonio Pierce, oh. Raiders coach, interim coach. Finishes the season, they go eight and nine, beats the pants off the Broncos, beats the Chiefs in Arrowhead on Christmas Day. 
did literally everything that this man possibly could in order to get the full-time job. And I read some quotes from Paul Gutierrez talking to Mark Davis after the game. And Mark Davis was, yeah, understandably noncommittal. He's an interim coach. You don't have to hire him full-time. But it's becoming, I think, painfully obvious that we could end up in, like, John Gruden 2.0 with Jim Harbaugh, where Antonio Pierce does this incredible job down the stretch. Everybody on the team wants him. And Mark Davis is infatuated with the big name. And I don't blame him. Like, I think Jim Harbaugh is a great coach. He went, he's went to coach the 49ers for four years and went to three NFC championship games. Like I, and he's in the playoff for like the third straight year. I have no problem going to get Jim Harbaugh. I just think Antonio Pierce, the job he did taking over this team where they were mid season and to close the way that they did, somebody needs to look at hiring that guy as their head coach. I like it. Breach. The Breach VP, I'm going to stay right here in my lovely town of Nashville. It is going to Derek Henry, who might have just played his final game with the Titans. And if he did, he went out with a bang. He almost single-handedly knocked Jacksonville out of the playoffs. 19 carries, 153 yards, one touchdown. Uh, He has basically been here. I moved here in 2017, and it has been Derek Henry, Derek Henry, Derek Henry. He's been the face of this franchise for so long. He's been such a weapon, and if he is gone, I am very happy to see that he went out like this. I love that he took the mic at the end of the game, thanked the fans, and talked to everyone. It was really cool to see that. Uh, So my breach VP is not a kicker this week. It is Derrick Henry. Yeah, uh, Aubrey struggled a little bit for for Dallas. We can't talk about that. Don't jinx him. Don't jinx him. All right, we've had two good ones. I'm going to double down, and I'm going to go with Puka Nakua. Ooh. Set the all-time rookie receiving record as a fifth-round pick. 1,473 yards. That record stood for 63 years. That record is so old, even Pete Prisco was not alive when it was last set. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> I mean, you make old people jokes. I was going to say That's I wasn't possible. there. I wasn't there, but Pete literally wasn't there. Mr. Spielman literally wasn't there. So shout-out to Puka Nakua, who's been awesome. Um as awesome as Derek Henry, as awesome as Antonio Pierce. Congratulations to to our Week 18 winners. Your Brents and Sucks hats are in the mail. Look for those. All right, boys. That's it. That's a wrap. Week 18, Sunday Night Super Friends is in the books. We'll be back in hours. I think we have a podcast at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Maybe one before that. We'll be talking about um, coaches Black who... Monday, Monday, Monday. <laughs> may no longer... Monday, no, Monday, Monday. May no longer be employed. And have a whole bevy of shows coming this week. So check that out. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks, Producer Harry, for producing. Sorry about the Dolphins, Producer Harry. You can jump on the Mason Rudolph bandwagon anytime. All right, see you guys later.